0: Hey everybody, welcome back to the Dinner Party Podcast. I am your host, Alexandria, and today is Foodie Friday. So, today we are talking about food. Last week, I had the great chance of sitting down with Remo's Cafe, the owners and family of Remo's Cafe, and we talked about food. We talked about their inspiration on how they came about their business. And off, off, cam- off camera, off camera, <laughs> off mic, we also talked about, you know, um, some of their struggles getting to where they are and how, you know, they've really been blessed to get To the point that they are now. I'm really excited to do more with that family. And Remo's Cafe. And you guys make sure if you're down in H time. That you go down to Fondren and the Beltway. And get you some of their barbecue. They have really good barbecue. The fish is everything. And the peach cobbler is everything. I promise. So today I thought that this is our Since this is our second Foodie Friday, I can basically introduce myself and how I have and how I created a relationship with food um, and where it came from. So I guess I'll start from the beginning. Um, So as everybody know, and I've mentioned before, I am not really a native Houstonian. I'm actually an old Cajun girl from Crosby, Texas, if you really put it down. But I moved here when I was, like, five or six. So, um, I grew up with a Cajun father that cooked a lot. Um, my mom cooked a lot as well. But she was more of the, um, soul food type. So, like, smothered pork chops and fried chicken and, um... She can really cook. And I love what my mom used to make. Also, um, she make these like little patties with gravy, and rice, and green beans. She taught me how to make sure you have a meat, a starch, and a um, veggie. That's the perfect plate. And it's always been that way for me. And um, my dad, he's the one that I just recently, you would think that I would have been new because I cook so much, but I just recently, as of a few weeks ago, learned how to make, um, right before New Year's, learned how to make um, gumbo from him, but he is the master of barbecue and gumbo and um, trash soup. He's the person that taught me how to grab anything out of your fridge and you can make something out of that. And I'm really good at that as well. If you ain't got no money, but you got little random stuff in your fridge, you can make something out of that. And my daddy, he, make, <laughs> he made this, Um, he had to clean out the freezer one day and he pulled out everything out that freezer and baby, <laughs> he made a soup. And so we called it trash soup. So he's really good at that too. And, um... So cooking for my parents and then I didn't get a a chance to really watch my grandmother cook as much as I would wish that I did. But most of my childhood, she was sickly, but I know that she was a cooking lady. And my mom's mom, I didn't get a chance to cook with her either because she died before I was even born. But I've been told by my mom that we would have a great time in the kitchen if she was alive. And I promise you, the way that I cook, I do cook like an old lady. But listen, (laughs) listen, I'm very good at it. And I knew that I was good at it a long time ago. So the first dish that I made that I was really excited about serving to somebody, which now looking back on this, I don't know if I would make this again because it just was, it was really awkward, But, um, (laughs) but I was really proud of it. And um, the first thing that I ever made was for my mom and my grandfather. I had, we only had, we we were broke at this time. We only had tuna and we had potatoes. And I had made some, I think I baked the potatoes. But anyway, the tuna ended up in the potatoes and I made like this whole potato tuna thing. And my grandfather, he was so excited and said it was so good. And looking back on that now, I'm not sure- I believe that it was good, and I know that it was good because I ate it as well, but it just didn't don't seem right but anyway, but anyway, um, I love food, and I know another thing that really shaped <sighs> that really shaped my food relationship is um I watched a lot of discovery Channel Travel Channel. And Food Network. Those were like my staples growing up. Um, My mom didn't. And I was talking to her today. And she was like, I don't even know why I did that. She didn't let us watch. um, Well, for me, I could say, because I'm the oldest. Um, She didn't really let us watch um, like Martin and all the signature shows that you. I did watch Sister, Sister and all of that. But at some point when I was able to watch it, I would like to watch Sister, Sister and um, and you know the mom on Sister Sister was like so, for real about her that episode about her booya base. <laughs> I don't know why that's funny to me, but that's not the point. Um, I used to watch those shows, but I would get engulfed in, um, I would really get engulfed in like anything travel and food related. Um, In a lot of shows about animals. Anything about animals, travel, and food. Those were, like, my things. And so, um, honestly, honestly, um, and I'm going to try so hard not to yawn. Because I'm always recording this after work and then I'm sleeping. Um, But honestly... Those things really shaped my curiosity more about food by just watching those shows. And then my mom was a history teacher, so I learned a lot about um, different parts of the world and different things like that. And then um, my dad was in the military, too, so that also kind of intrigued me Um, as far as cultural learning about different cultures and learning about, um, different foods that people eat in different places. And I am the type of person that I do not discriminate. I have a limit of what I'll try and what I won't try, but I don't discriminate, um, about cultural differences and cultural foods and different foods that people eat. And. Um also with that being said I just started exploring and so um one of the m- more significant portions of my um of my childhood or childhood teenage years that really really took food to the next level was when I raised my pigs Um, In high school, I did raise pigs in high school. I raised a total of five. One of them was for my uncle. And um, but I raised five pigs in high school, made a decent, quite a decent amount of money as well, auctioning them off at the end of the year. All of my pigs, I think every single one of my pigs, except one, um, ended up at Pete's Fine Meats. And I think they're on Richmond. They all took my pigs to Pete's Fine Meats. Um, And then one of them was for my uncle. So two of them, two of them did not go to Pete's Fine Meats, but the other three did. And so, um, but one year after my uncle got his pig back, um, we had actual (laughs) we actually ate it. And would intrigue me about it. And some people, they'd be like, oh my gosh, you ate the pig that you raised. Um, but one thing that was so intrigued about, that it was so interesting about this was the flavor of the meat. Um, I have a hard time buying pork from... I have a hard time buying pork in general, but buying it from the grocery store. Because once you've raised the animal and you let that animal fulfill its purpose of being a nutritious part of your meal um you what's the best way to say it there's no other taste there's no cleaner taste i have not tasted a piece of meat that clean ever since that day and i and i only ate like i only did it one time But, um, my dad, his family, they, they raised pigs and I knew that their family did, um, I believe they sold pigs if I'm not mistaken, or they, um, I, I've watched a a home, um, where my uncles, they got a pig and they, uh, cooked it and all of that stuff. Like we, I did that when I was younger. So, Um, pork has been in my life a long time, but people don't eat pork a, because it's not a clean meat according to religious, um, perspectives B it's not, um, a lot of people don't go to that meat because they say it's not good for you and things like that. I personally, after raising my own meat and raising my own pig, um, um, me personally, and I'm not, I don't want to sound like, you guys could take it however you want to, but I guess I have to share my views because it's my podcast. Um, but me personally, people say categorize pork as a red meat. It's not red, it's actually white. Um, also, most pigs that we get or pork that we get from the grocery store is actually. <clears throat> abused meat. <clears throat> it's most likely it's abused. Um and we also have to be conscious about organic meat as well. But the meat, the basic meat that we get from the basic pork that we get from the grocery store is not um is not clean. And you could say I only eat chicken, I only eat fish, I only beef or whatever. You could say all of that. But most of that meat that you're eating is not even clean. But that's my own take on that. And I'm not going that deep Um, today about that, because I still eat meat. I still eat fish. Um, I'm a little I'm more conscious about after that moment in my life. I'm a lot more conscious about my consumption of it. Um, And I'll get more into that a little bit later. But growing up and being able to raise my own animals, you take more pride in the meat that you eat. You're real conscious about the meat that you eat. And um, I have no issues eating vegan meals, the vegetarian meals. Um, But that being able to raise your own animal really changed me, changed my life and made me more, um, more. curious about the culinary arts. I did not want to pursue culinary arts. I actually wanted to pursue fashion when I was younger. Um, I started looking at fashion schools and then I always wanted to own my own magazine. And so I used to put together plans about magazines and stuff. And then after that, it was, I went into PR. And so, um, watching the Food Network, watching uh, the different travel channels and stuff, I noticed that people don't come to Houston. And so one of my life missions is to help Houston food and restaurants and stuff like that get on the map. And that's my goal. So right now I'm doing that in social media and I'm doing that. um, I want to start back writing, food writing and um, also blogging and stuff like that. So um, my relationship with food from the beginning has always been focusing on, you know, the cultural aspects of food, food history. I took an um, anthropology of wine class, AU of H, which was extremely good. And that's when I first got into Gary Vee before Gary V. was even Gary V. that he is now because we did have to watch wine library and stuff like that in class. And then um and then from there from there I also I just enjoy like I just enjoy everything from the culinary arts to again history and just watching it and I love I love how um watching like food documentaries about different chefs and I I just love food anything. Um, but my relationship is very deep with food and, um, it's complex as I've gotten older. And also, um, it, mm, it is very complex now that I'm older. So, um, I guess the next portion of this, I really want to get into, um, eating disorders, and suffering from hemolytic anemia. So a few years ago, I think the first time I dealt with hemolytic anemia was back in 2014. So basically, my immune system is attacking my blood cells. The doctors don't know how it starts. Nobody knows how it starts. They had to make sure I didn't have lupus or sickle cell because it is something similar to that, but it's not a chronic disease. It's a episodic disease. Um, Or episodic thing, because it's not even a disease. I don't know what it is, honestly, because the doctors couldn't even tell me what it is. But all I know is that being an extremely healthy child to becoming a sickly 20 in my 20s, you know, it just got kind of like, damn, you know, I've never had an issue with My metabolism, I've always been on the bigger side, and I think that mostly came from stress eating. Um, As a kid, well, not really as a kid, um, my mom was working. My mom is a working person. My dad was working, so we would eat out a lot. Well, not a lot. We would eat out, and I would eat a lot. I just ate a lot, a lot. I don't know why I ate a lot when I was younger, but I ate a lot. And... um, But other than that, I've always been healthy, like super healthy, Um, never had any issues with like diabetes or anything like that. I was just really. The doctors always said, oh, yeah, you're healthy. You're just overweight. So I've always been pretty overweight. Um, And then I'm tall. I'm 5'10". So my overweight is not the one that's extremely noticeable. Only the doctor notices it. But as I got into my 20s. Um, Back in 2014 was the first time I dealt with the hemolytic anemia, and so um, I had to get a blood transfusion. They didn't know what it was, but they pumped me up on, like, a ton of prednisone, and at that time in 2014, I had just lost 50 pounds because when I went to college, I spiked all the way up to, like, exactly 300 pounds, so I just lost 50 pounds, and... um, I got hit with hemolytic anemia and they put me the only way to suppress it is because they don't know what starts it. So they don't have a way to make it. I don't know, make it go away or from the source. Like if you have like another disease, they give you a medication that's going to hit the source. But for me, it's not hitting the source. It's just suppressing my immune system so that it'll stop attacking my blood cells so if you ever take prednisone it's the nastiest medicine ever but it's even worse when they have to give you the liquid the liquefied one in the bag you wake up sweating and all you want to do is eat and when i say eat i literally mean like you just don't you craving everything <laughs> like it's it's times a million the way that people describe being pregnant and having craving is times like a million. So, um, and you're super strong, like you're on drugs, literally you're on drugs. And so, um, I've dealt with this four times. And within that four times I have gotten, I'm at the point where I'm at my heaviest weight. Um, and now I'm at the point where I've have not um I'm not I'm feeling really good like I'm feeling really good and so but from the from the prednisone because of the way that it makes you eat two things happen the first time I finally because I was on 100 milligrams a day at one point and then the first time after I tapered down, And I was feeling strong. I was feeling great. I was just like 70 pounds heavier. And once you hit 70 pounds heavier and you're like on a drug-induced high and extreme strength all the time and then it's gone, 70 pounds is very heavy (laughs) on your body afterwards and the first day that I felt no prednisone in my almost no prednisone in my body and I felt my real weight, I couldn't walk. Like I had to crawl to the bathroom. It was just a mess. And nobody tells you that it's also going to give make you really depressive after you get off. You have suicidal thoughts and looking back at my both of my parents, they both have they're both emotional eaters. So, not knowing then what I know now, what I wish I knew then, it is the fact that I too am a emotional eater, and I'm the one that don't eat a like before the prednisone, zone. I didn't eat a whole lot. Like I'm, I would be the one that would um, not on, and this is not even on purpose. I would literally, consciously, be eating and socializing and talking like and all of that stuff. And I still have like three fourths of my plate. And then maybe a few hours later, I eat a little bit more and give some to my parents or whatever, because I was living at home then. I would cook a whole lot. Like when I say cook, I literally mean like I was making sushi. I was making um, just real simple meals like meat, rice and veggies type meals and stuff like that. And, um, I've never eaten like that in my life. I've never even had the urge to eat like that in my life, to overeat. Very conscious about everything. Conscious about my, not conscious about my weight so much, um, because I was bullied in school about my weight. But more conscious about, um... What I put into my mouth, especially because I was raising my own animals in high school, I was real conscious about eating a lot of fish and a lot of chicken and um, just I just wasn't eating as much. I just had to focus. And I was like, you know what? I want to eat better and I want to eat um lighter and I want to eat simpler things like that now don't get me wrong like I said I was making my own sushi I was creating different dishes like very food oriented the people at school at that time they knew me as the pink foodie like I had a blog I had all of that stuff going for me and um of course family issues started coming up Um I had to be responsible for a whole lot more in on the family side, and I kind of put myself in that position, but um, it started weighing down on me and ultimately, in my opinion, and me knowing my own body, I think stress was the cause, and not just i didn't I never really felt stressed, but I always had like anxiety a little bit um growing up, especially when grades were coming out, I would just be panicking but stress i felt internally and the worst place to feel stress is the type of stress where um the type of sh- the best way to say it is the type of stress that basically nobody knows you almost don't know it's the subconscious stress and i don't know if anybody understands that but it's the stress where you're just constantly repressing, repressing, repressing. I'm not going to deal with it. This is not my life. This is how I'm going to live. And little did I know that I was really repressing all of that. So, um, once the prednisone hit and I got off the prednisone and everything and, um, four episodic hemolytic anemia, anemias later, (laughs) um, I am way bigger than I've ever thought that I'd ever be in my whole life. Um, I'm at the point where I am it's taken a while for me to change going through these different motions in life. And then probably a few months ago I realized that I actually am a I have a eating disorder. And I've talked to my therapist about it and um we haven't gone in depth about the eating disorder. So basically I do qualify as a binge eater. And it's kind of hard to talk about because, um, because I've never been like this before in my life. And I don't know if it's because now I live on my own because I've been on my own since I was 26. And so I don't know if it's because I live on my own and now it's like I can do whatever I want. But I will say that the Prednisone did help with that a whole lot because I've never eaten this much. And then also I had to go back and look at just my pure emotions about stuff. And um, so... Growing up with emotional eaters in the house, then being on prednisone, then dealing with my own emotions and not having anybody in my house to stop me from what I'm doing. Um it my relationship with food ultimately changed. Like it changed a whole lot over the especially over the past since I realized that and over the past few months. So being a foodie and Being a binge eater, it is, um, something that is something that it, it just doesn't seem, it's it's not right. Um, and when I say being a foodie and being a binge eater, those are two different things. Being a binge eater is literally, I'm going to eat a burger from, you know, McDonald's or something or a Whataburger or something like that. And I just need something that tastes really good. My, I'm going to be honest one place that I do like, I like nachos. Like, that's my thing. I love nachos. And um, (laughs) I do. And so, for example, um, even though I wasn't getting a whole lot, I really can't. The amount of food that you eat as a binge eater... And I'm not sitting up here just like eating like tons of food or anything like that. Being a binge eater is also not eating all day and then eating at the end of the day or eating a little bit during the day in front of people, but I'm eating at home by myself a real meal. That's binging, and that's the kind that I am. I'm the one that I would eat a little bit out. I would eat um, um, a little bit at... Um, at work, um, if somebody asks me to go out, I might eat a little bit then, but when I get home, I'm going to finish off all of my food, like the rest of all my food and eat by myself in front of the TV. Don't go exercise. Um, now I do, I do drink a lot of water now. I drink a lot of water and, um, yeah, it's not the type that what people think is that I'm just sitting here snacking on like junk food all day. Nah, it's not that. It's just that um, um, there's different levels to everything, and for me, it's just um, the prednisone made me gain weight, but the binge eating keeps me at the kept me at the weight that I am now, or keeps me at the weight that I am now. Um, but now I'm starting to see a reflux in that. And so it just really altered my relationship with food and then dealing just with the self-esteem issues of being bigger. And then in business or with being a foodie, because my relationship with food, when I say a foodie, my relationship with food goes beyond, you know, um, the food itself. I'm talking about the history of the food, the culture behind the food, the chef that made the food, the history of the chef that made the food, um, the location, the trends of the food and things like that. I am very interested in that. But when it's teamed up with being a binge eater and you're eating anything, nothing of quality, nothing of um, of, um, of substance and fulfillment then it's just, it sucks. And then from there, you go into, um, you go from being a, uh, just cause I promise you like, and I'm a Houston foodie for sure. I used to be able to tell people where they can go for anything, like any type of, (laughs) any type of food. And then, um, I used to do Favor. Also, that's how I paid off my car. My first car was with Favor, and I paid it off early. And, um, and so that, that whole binge eater and foodie aspect is tough because, not because of the food, it's tough because how do you be a foodie, but you have a bad relationship with food as well? So that's, I guess that's the best way to say it. That's the way, um, that's the only way that I could describe it. And from understanding over the past, probably, I think it was about September. Um, it was probably September. No, no, no. October, November, when I realized that I was binge eating, because I started looking stuff up and I'm like, I'm a binge eater. And so... Um, I'm, which realized over the past couple of years going into realizing that I'm actually not spending a lot of doing a lot of social stuff, a, because I was really embarrassed about my weight, but also I just prefer to be alone and eat by myself (laughs) kind of thing, which is not, it's not healthy. You have to be food is a social thing. And when you do it alone, it's not as fun anymore. And um, hmm. And it's just kind of, uh, it's just kind of you know sad when I kind of look back on the amount of time that I've spent by myself, not eating with other people because it's a very social thing. So that's how the dinner party podcast kind of came to be because I wanted to create recreate a social aspect around food. I've always had friends to go and eat food with. Um, me and my friend Holly. We are very we are foodies together. Um she cooks at home for her and her baby and everybody and um and I cook I cook at my parents house. I cook at my own house. Like I I love to dinner party. Like that's why my insta the Instagram for this podcast is we love to dinner party. And so, um, but from there, then I go into the aspect of from being a binge eater and trying to understand being a binge eater. But yet, am I really a foodie or am I just excuse my language, but am I just a fat girl eating like what, it, that's when that comes in? And I had to recreate what being a foodie really meant to me, because the relationship was, um, we were having a bad time in our relationship, um, me and food. And so, um, from there, that's when, which I've explored prior, but I made up in my mind that I do not want to, I'm not sick. I do not want to be sick anymore. I do not want to deal with different stuff. So I got deeper and deeper into research about hemolytic anemia and food. And I realized that some foods or eating a certain way causes stress, mental stress, real stress, um, body stress on your body. And from there, not only the stresses of your body, but it also being a stressed out person if you have any type of autoimmune um situation going on a lot of our autoimmune and i could say for myself when i look back on the different times of when i was sick it was stress induced and so um family issues i remember we us having like really bad stuff going on in our family and i was living at home And that was stress induced. And I was overworking myself, to be honest, I was um, really trying to hustle and get a car and stuff. And so and pay for my car and just trying to be a responsible grown up, to be honest. And it was a lot because I feel like everybody, nobody else was being responsible but me, which isn't true. But In my head, I was just like, I just have to do this on my own. And I remember when my mom got mad because I said, look, I just have to hustle. And she was like, what does that mean, hustle? And so she got really upset with me. And I was like, I felt horrible because it was just like, I just felt like I had to do for myself and I had to hustle. And I was just doing really too much and stressing myself out. And nobody was on the same page as me. When I say nobody, I literally not my friends, not my parents, not my siblings. Nobody was on the same page as me at that point because I just was like, listen, I just have to make it and I have to do this on my own. And I've been determined to keep myself in a good financial position, which is awkward right now um, because I'm realizing that. I need a better apartment. I need a lot of better stuff. So I'm not really stressing myself out right now. But what it brought me to was food for healing. And I remember when I was younger, um, my dad used to say, oh, go get some apple cider vinegar, honey and hot water. And that's how I got rid of like a lot of stuff. Um, I remember and I was trying to get my parents to remember last night, but I remember when I was we went to my cousin's house out in Louisiana and they had a piece of something, tree a bark or something, in a pot and it was seeping was steeping, I mean. And next thing I knew, I didn't have whatever illness I was dealing with. So I just started going back into the ancestors and trying to figure out, hey, I need some natural healing. I Currently, I'm off of all of my medicines, including birth control, and we're just trying to see what the body actually does right now, and so far, I've been very pleased at the results, and um, I, of course, I still go to the doctor, and I still, you know, take care of myself, but I'm just not taking the medication, because at one point, I was on prednisone, I was on water pill to keep the fluid off my body. I was on, um, what was that, the folic acid, like all these different pills. And I was just, I don't like taking pills. And one of my biggest fears is taking a bunch of pills, especially at a young age. I don't have issues with high blood pressures or diabetes or anything like that. And um, I don't want to. And I, one thing I know that I have to do is get back in the gym or start back exercising. I've been walking a lot, but I really need to go harder because I got to lose some weight. And, um, and so (sighs) from there, I started doing a lot of research about food for healing and things like that. So I'm getting really, really, really good at, um, brewing the burdock root, and, um, I found it. If you guys are looking for it, it is at the Korean market on Bel Air. It's called the H Mart and they have the burdock root. Um, Now, don't all y'all go in there at once because I'm going to be mad if I can't go get my own burdock root. But I'm not going to be close minded to helping y'all get it either. Um, But the burdock root has really been helping me over the past couple of months. Also, the um, what else? making sure like aloe vera, we did aloe vera last week as well, ginger, Um, my friend Holly, she makes the ginger, um, the fresh ginger juice for me, and um, just a lot of holistic things. And people are like, Alex, your skin is so great. Well, burdock root helps with skin issues. And so um, my other friend, he got me on ashwagandha and that ashwagandha baby that is has been my lifesaver and i have to do like a whole episode about just um just like basic what's the best word um just basic herbs and stuff that i've incorporated into my body to um to for healing just stuff that i've started doing for healing and everything like that. And um it's I've been going through quite a lifestyle change. Very much a lifestyle change. Um, with like the food I've eaten. I haven't been eating out as much, been cooking more at home, if you can see on my Instagram, and I'm just hoping in the near future, um, <clears throat> I'm not on any type of weight loss journey, I'm on a healthy journey. Um I really enjoy feeling good. And I haven't felt like this good in a long time. So I'm enjoying this at the moment. I'm enjoying this. I know this is longer than our normal podcast. But I hope that anybody who's dealing with any type of eating disorders or um, or trying to build a better relationship with food, putting down the salt... Using pepper like different stuff like that um seasonings and uh just trying to just trying to like build a way better relationship than we've already had with food learning where to get your food sourced all of that stuff is it's extremely being conscious about how we eat being extremely conscious about. Um, how we eat, where we eat, what we eat, and um preserving our bodies to be ready for different things and I promise you, just by being more conscious about that, it's been so much easier to think, my stress levels have been lower, my recovery times after having like anxiety is a is a lot better um when I say a lot better, I could be anxious for days like days at a time without no panic attack. And it's the quiet anxiety where nobody even knows that I'm having a, (laughs) having anxiety attack the full blown, like going crazy or going, um, going, having a huge moment panic attack. I don't, I didn't have a lot of those. Um, but the, um, the, low key anxiety where you just feel it in your stomach and you're creating ulcers type of anxiety. That's that's probably what I've been dealing with. And I didn't get to the ulcers, but, but um, by me doing these healing things, my mind has really been transformed a whole lot Um, consciously. I think once I start adding the exercise in Um, It'll be a whole lot better as well. um, Like I said, I walk every day, but I believe that if I start adding like things with like muscle, um, muscle, muscular workouts and stuff like that, I think it'll be a lot better. But where are we now with food? So I love food. I am a big girl that loves food, and I'm not a big girl because of food, and that's how I have to say it. I'm not a big girl because of food. I'm a big girl that loves food, and those are two different things. Um, Sometimes, you know, it gets kind of tough, and I don't like to be judged about how I eat or... Eat food, and I try not to judge other people. And one thing that I notice is because I know that my food is um, food is emotional for me. I tend to help other people sometimes. Hey, I ask them what's going on, especially people that's just gorging down food. What's wrong? What's wrong with you? How are you feeling today? And when they say, Oh, I'm having so much, um, I'm having so many issues at home, things like that, it's almost like I can call it out because I've been there before. And um, now my relationship with food is all about curating and all about the healthiness of food. And it's also all about just the beauty of it. Have you ever gone on Instagram and just seen the cheese just coming out? Or the cheese just going over the fries. That is beautiful for me. The thought of eating it makes me nauseated. But I'm like, damn, that looks good. That is beautiful. They really did that picture. Or they really did that, um, that, uh, that video like I love how they showcase that like I'm that girl that's me and um I love atmosphere if you go to a restaurant and the atmosphere is just yes baby I'm all about it now if the atmosphere is yes but the food is hell no then I'm you know hey baby let me tell you (laughs) let me tell you what you probably should have did or let me help you out here But look how the food trucks are coming into play. It's all about presentation. It's all about taste. Like, food trucks are all about taste. And I love food trucks that become brick and mortars because sometimes that shows where the real work is about to come in. Um, And I enjoy food social media. Like, I love curating and creating food for social media. Um, I'm working on my photography right now with that. Um, I've done, you know, like a little stuff I and I keep I love things in bowls. I love bowls. I'm, I love eating out of bowls. I'm Cajun. So everything come with rice in a bowl. Okra and sausage. You, you should eat that in a bowl with rice. Um, etouffee. Ain't that good in a bowl? It's not that great when it's sliding off the plate, but it's great when it's in a bowl. Um, Just different things like that. Just understanding the things that I like about food. Um, And then one of my biggest accomplishments uh, was really... Allowing food to take me back to the ancestors and helping me understand again. You know, y'all know that um, I do speak a little Spanish and I do speak French, and come to find out, that's all in the bloodline and um, things that I am understanding. It's it's tough being Cajun sometimes because you really don't have like a pinpoint to who you really are. You just say, and I, for my whole life, I just say, I'm black, I'm black, I'm black. But being black means so much more than just being, um, just being, you know, black. It means a whole lot more than just being black. Like people used to be mad about being black and mad about being dark skin. And I think that's beautiful. I think being dark skin, being light skin, being any type of skin is just beautiful Just showcasing who you are is just beautiful. Being you is just beautiful. And I spend so much time not being able to be me or being made fun of about being me. I've been made fun of so much to the point where at this point in my life, I shouldn't care. I have my moments and everything. But um, it's... It's easier. It's a lot easier being me than it was when when I was a kid. Um, my size is too much for everybody. The way how I feel about food is too much for everybody. Me running a company is is too much for everybody. But at the end of the day, I have to focus on how I want to um, curate the life that I want. And I would love food for the future is traveling, eating and trying different things. I used to aspire to be Anthony Bourdain. Um and I still do in some aspects. Um I don't uh in other aspects I don't. I kind of understood his struggle in some ways. Um and I and I really but I understood his culture to food um, his culture and food, um, layout that he had. And I I just really, I really enjoyed that. And I understood it 120%. And I love how he just didn't give a F. He just did. And, um, that was a dark day in culinary. It was a dark day everywhere. If you were really about it, it was just a, that was, that was a tough death to deal with. Um, But I just feel like it's my duty to um, to continue in showing um, my personality through my love for food and giving that to the world. That's that's ultimately my goal. That's my goal that I have. And that's the goal that I want to um, put out to everyone and just let people know like it doesn't matter what you love what you're passionate about at all just go for it and that's why I'm really big on building a business based on your passion um because I the love the way that I love um food and I admire people in the food industry it is so um it's real it's real for me it's real for me and I know names in the food industry that people wouldn't even think to think of and the different history. I just, you know what? I just love food. I'm a food girl. Like, this is my relationship with food. I'm an emotional fooder, <laughs> foodie. As in, I get emotional when food is just good. <laughs> I do. I get so emotional. Like, I'm the type, I'll be in the kitchen cooking. And I'm just like, Dang. This is of the the ancestors, or I could feel my grandmother coming out through this, through this food I've never made it in my life. But I'm pretty sure that my past lives are coming out through my food right now, and um, and that's how we should be passionate about anything that we do. No matter what you do, just know that if it's done in passion, it's done right. You may not be making the money that you want to make about it. You may not, you know, you may not be at the level that you want to be about um, doing your passion. But once you understand that you just have to go for your passion only, you're going to realize that you're going to be happy, like you're really going to be happy. And my stress level has been so low since I started just focusing on the food, and the travel, and the culture, and the just the art of it. And I started focusing on learning, constantly learning my languages. And once I started doing that, I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, I I have been, you know, the happiest person. So that's pretty much um, all I have for today. (laughs) That's all I have for today. And we have gone 50 minutes talking about food. I hope that you guys enjoy. And maybe I need to do a shorter one. Um, But (sighs) when it comes to food, food is my everything. And um, I hope you guys find your passion. The passion that you just ultimately enjoy and that you ultimately deal with. And until next time. Thanks for joining us at the dinner party where everybody is invited. You guys have a great day.